I'm in conversation today with Lieutenant Colonel David Miles, United States Marine Corps, retired. David, welcome to the do-over. Uh, thank you, Michael. It's my pleasure to be here. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to tell my story. You know, I'm looking forward to the story, and, and I got to be honest with you, as I look at this story, you titled this thing, The Case of Dave Miles, United States Naval Academy, 1976. Now, this is not about litigation. This is not a, a court case. This is about a situation that happened when you were a young second lieutenant a long time ago. With that said, why don't you tell us your story? Okay, I will. Thank you. Now, of course, I graduated the Naval Academy in 76, and right out of the academy, I ended up at the uh, basic uh, school for the uh, six months. And following the uh, basic school, I was uh, assigned to the Basic Communications Officers course, also at Quantico, before being transferred to the 1st Marine Aircraft Wing in Okinawa. Now, I reported there expecting to be assigned to a communications uh, center, which is like a big data center, and ultimately ended up as a uh, squadron communications officer for a unit called the Marine Air Support Squadron 2. Uh, upon reporting at the group level, just above the squadron, I was informed that there was a rigorous field supply and maintenance operation inspection going on of the communications department. Recognizing that, I uh, still checked into the training and orientation school at the group level, but every afternoon I would return to the squadron, even though I hadn't officially checked in, to just observe what was going on with the FASMO team, that's Field Supply and Maintenance Operations abbreviated, and get some pointers while this inspection was going on. The uh, inspectors were anxious to show me what was going on. The troops were eager to learn. This couldn't have been a better experience for me especially before checking in. Well, on the second week, I officially report aboard to Mass 2. I meet the commanding officer. He'd been made aware of the fact that I had been down at the uh, squadron uh, observing the uh, FASMO inspection. And, of course, he said, you know what the problems are. I want you to go after them. I met my lieutenant peers who offered me a brain teaser and they wanted a, an answer within 24 hours. I passed their test. I met my OIC. All oh, this is in the first day. And then I discovered that my NCOIC, my staff sergeant that reported to me, was unauthorized absent. He apparently was drunk in his quarters. My XO demanded a court-martial. I respectfully disagreed. We had a standoff. All oh, this is still the first day. Well, as things went on, the uh, second day, and in that second day, I received a call from a lieutenant from another unit suggesting that our equipment could operate at distances far further than were specified in our tech manuals. I, sh I explained that to my troops. They disagreed. I said that lieutenant had done a test, and the troops said, all right, sir, we'll try it if you want. The NCOIC tried to convince me. I said, go out there and do it, and it worked. What I didn't realize at that time was that I was actually setting myself up because when I told the troops that that lieutenant had tested this and it worked, my troops got the idea that Lieutenant Miles likes tests. So it was. The troops went out, and guess what? The equipment worked at the ranges that that other lieutenant said, so suddenly I knew my stuff.
on the third or the fourth day, unbeknownst to me, the troops decided to go out and do a test of Marine Corps tactical equipment. Tactical Marine Corps equipment works off of batteries that are organic to that piece of equipment, and that equipment works off of direct current electric power. The troops had figured out how to make that tactical equipment work off of building power, which is alternating current. It isn't supposed to work that way. That is taught in communication school. You need something called a rectifier. However, the troops said they had this done. They tested it, and they invited me to come out and take a look at what they had done. I uh, walked out to Radio Hill, just outside of our squadron headquarters. I went up, and sure enough, the troops are in great communication with units in the Philippines, Korea, and in the northern part of Okinawa. I take 10 steps off the hill, and I hear a boom, an explosion, almost like a cannon going off. I look back at the top of the hill, and it's entirely covered with smoke. At that point, I have seven Marines down. As the smoke cleared, I see the radio which is jeep mounted, it's the size of a study desk, burning. By the time that radio stopped burning, it was the size of a basketball. None of my Marines were hurt, but they had to stagger to their feet. They were all covered in soot. They had to fight the fire to suppress it on the radio before it also consumed the jeep, which would have resulted in an explosion. At that point, as we all caught our breath, the troops explained to me, uh-oh, sir, you just destroyed a Marine Corps radio. At that point, I had to depart Radio Hill and report to my officer in charge and explain to him that I had just destroyed a radio. I told him the type of radio. My OIC rocked back in his chair, blew out a smoke ring from a cigar, and asked me if I would uh, do it again. I assured him I would not. He said, carry on, and that's the last we ever discussed it. Interesting story, uh, Lieutenant Miles. Interesting story. So this is called the do-over. Let's, let's start there. Um, you, you're telling me about a story of you checking into a new unit. Uh, you're the smart guy showing up, wanting to do tests. The lieutenants pass, uh, you pass the muster with your lieutenants, and uh, the Marines seem to be pretty impressed with your ability. So you're the owner of that hill, right? At this point, absolutely. Let's talk do-over. What would you do over? I did say that in comm school, they said you're not supposed to connect tactical equipment to commercial power. So as soon as the troops told me that they had done this, I should have said, stop. If you've tested this, whatever test you've done, stop it right now. And if that's the case, if, if I had done that, we wouldn't have a story to tell right now. But, you know, you've got some innovative Marines there, right? You've got some some young people who want to not only impress you, uh, but get their job done and think out of the box a little bit. What do you say about that? And what I'm talking about is, you know, I'm hearing you say that there's a procedure, there's a checklist, there's a manual. How do you encourage your Marines and your sailors to reach out a little bit, but not go too far? Well, you want to, first of all, Make sure that you know what they're doing in advance. That helps. 
The other is you have to ask yourself uh, that question, even more so since we're Naval Academy types, we, we have a little more technical background than, say, some, is can our troops rewrite engineering or science? Probably not. Are they going totally against something in the technical manuals that we have? If they're not violating engineering, they're not violating science, they're um, complying with the stated material, well, you'll encourage that. So, you know, I, I heard you say that, you know, when they said they hooked it up to AC power, I'm, I'm going to assume, I'm visualizing you scratching your head. So, what what about this thing? You know, if you don't know if that's the right thing to do, what are you supposed to do? You say, well, let's stop for a second. Um, there are people probably in a squadron we could ask. We had a maintenance section that was right next door to the uh, operational communication section that I was responsible for. Let's go over there and ask some of their NCOs uh, why they haven't done this in the past. And if they think this is a good idea. If they said no, that's yet another way that we could have stopped this. If we don't know, we, we could ask people who we presume do know and, of course, challenge why they know. Was there some kind of time contingent here and that you had to get this thing done? Was there something you had to do as soon as possible? Or was this something that you can use discretion and wait a little longer on? We had considerable discretion. So there was no pressure to do this. This was truly unchanneled initiative. Now, it's okay to have initiative, but we have to focus it. And if we focus it, we have the greatest gift America can give us, and that's its enlisted men and women. You tell me what your company commander did. You know, he looked at you hard. You know, I'm assuming as he was doing that, he was assessing his new lieutenant and trying to figure out, is this guy going to be a problem or not? And it sounds like he made the right decision. Tell me what you think your Marines thought of you on the way out of this thing. I think... One of the things that the Marines thought of was the fact that I was down with the FASMO and uh, basically asked questions and watched them do things. But more so, I think, at the point when they realized that I was standing up for their, their staff sergeant, whom I had not met before the FASMO, I'd only known for a matter of days, they knew that their boss was in trouble, but they knew that his boss was looking out for them. I think they thought a lot of that. I think also after I started down that hill, we didn't have an argument over, hey, you guys hooked this thing up. You should have known better. It wasn't any of that. I, there was no argument. Once we had the problem and once I made sure that they were okay, I immediately went down there and took responsibility. So I think that the troops thought a lot of that right away. And getting back to my officer in charge, he was a Mustang officer. He was a captain at that point, but he had held every rank starting out in the Korean War from private all the way through the enlisted ranks, all the way through the warrant officer ranks to captain. So he had seen a lot in his experience. And I think that had a lot to do with me standing there and uh, being given the reprieve that I ultimately received. You took charge. It was your hill. It was your responsibility. It was your accident. Accidents happen you got to be thoughtful of That's it. That's correct. And the other thing is we can't be spectators. If you see something like that happen, you have to stop it. Dave Miles, thank you very much for, uh, for fessing up on the do-over. It's hard to do, but it's lessons learned. Thanks a lot. My pleasure. 
Thanks for listening to The Do-Over. You can hear more podcasts from the Stockdale Center at RadioStockdale.com.